Good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It is great to see you today. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and just say, man, you look good. Now, now turn to the other neighbor so people don't get offended to the other person that you don't like sitting on the other side of you and say, you look good too. Yeah. Hey, Amen. Don't tell them, yeah, they smell good. That's creepy, but just look good's okay. It is good to see you. And if you're joining us online, we're glad to have you as well. Uh, I was told that uh, there's a couple of uh, the Rosenberg families joining us online. My mom texted me this morning. You better be good. I'm online. Hi, mom. Uh, my aunt and uncle are online. And actually, I have a, my brother's grandson, Cohen, who calls me Uncle Sharon, S-H-A-R-O-N, because he can't say Aaron. And if you call me that, it'll be... So hi to Cohen. And so it's good to see you wherever you're joining us, wherever you're connecting. If this is your very first time at Life Church, we're glad that you're here. And uh, welcome to Easter at Life Church. And, and today I just want to take a few moments and just kind of unpack because Jesus lives. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen. Uh, but Matthew chapter 28, we began this on Good Friday. And Good Friday is all about remembering the death of Christ. It's about the crucifixion. It's about the Via Dolorosa. It's about the death of who Jesus was and why he died and what he did. But then on Sunday morning, we have a completely different story. Sunday morning is the anthem that we all sing, that resurrection morning, that resurrection Sunday morning where, where the stone is rolled away. And because Jesus lives... See, if he just dies for us, it's not enough. He has to come, he has to die for the sins of humanity, but he has to overcome death, hell, and the grave. And why is that so important? Because unless he lives post-crucifixion, you and I can't. But because he lives post-crucifixion, you and I can. And that's the good news of Easter. That for God so loved you and I that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Why? Because Jesus came, he lived, he died, and he rose from the grave. He lives. And because of that, it changes everything. So Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, this is the record that we have, probably the most detailed record that we have of that Easter morning. It said early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to visit the tomb. Verse 2, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it. And his face shone like lightning, and his clothes as white as snow. And the guards shook in fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. And then the angel spoke to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here, for he has risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come and see where his body was laying. And now go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you to Galilee, and you will see him there. Remember what I have told you. And the women ran quickly from the tomb. I love this next statement. They were frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. You see, the first thing I want to say today is because Jesus lives, we have joy. You and I have joy. If you look back at that verse 8, they were frightened, but they were filled with great joy. Joy. 
We have joy. Why? Because the scripture is true. Again, when you look at the Old Testament, in order for someone to fulfill all of the prophecies of who the Messiah would be and what the Messiah would do and how they would do it, is almost a statistical impossibility. One statistician said it this way. It would be like taking the, the land mass the size of the state of Texas. God bless Texas. Amen. Good barbecue. Anyhow, sorry, I digress. And, and you, were to, you were to fill the state of Texas knee deep with silver dollars. It's all right with me. It's a lot of money. Amen. And then we were to blindfold you and put you in a helicopter and you tell us at what point you want to drop down and you want to blindfold it. We blindfold you and you, we drop you wherever you say in the, in, in the landmass, the side of the state, of the state of Texas, knee deep in silver dollars, and that you were to go down and when you hit the ground, you were to put your hand around and pull up one silver dollar that was marked red. And the fact that you could do that on your first try is the same amount of statistical possibility that one person could fulfill all the messianic prophecies of the Old Testament. Yet he did. And when we see that, this is why scripture is so important because it confirms of itself. It tells of itself. Remember what the angel said to, 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 the, uh, to Mary uh, and Mary Magdalene and the other Mary that, that came alongside to the tomb that day? He is risen just as he told you. Jesus always calls his shot. He always says, this is what's about to happen. And boom, it happens. And because Jesus lives, we have joy because scripture is true. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. We, we, we have joy because the resurrection is the proof that our sins are forgiven. I just want to give you some scripture here today. That the resurrection is proof that our sins are forgiven. Paul will write to the church in Rome in Romans chapter 5 verse 15. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. Speaking of Jesus. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, to all of us. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. See, if there had been no resurrection, there would be no salvation. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're all sinners in need of a savior, in need of being saved, in need of salvation. And therefore, God loved us, gave his one and only son, Jesus. Jesus came and lived the sinless life, tempted and tried in every manner that you and I are, yet without sin. And it's this free gift of grace that God gives us through him. We have joy because Jesus is alive and present with us. After the resurrection, Jesus appeared to more than about 500 people, the Bible would let us know. But today, Jesus is still with us through scripture. You go, well, how's he with us through scripture? Well, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and the word dwelt among us. Jesus. You want to really kind of flip your theological switch for a second, just kind of fry your brains? Before the Bible that you hold in your hand was ever written, it existed. Because in the beginning of Genesis chapter 1, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep, and God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Us? Our? Who is that? 
the triune Godhead, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that which was and is to come and forevermore shall be. And when John writes it in John chapter 1, 1, that Jesus is a fulfillment of the word, the word became flesh. So the word that you and I have, the Bible that we hold in our hand, that we lean so heavily on that if it were to move, we would fall. That word, that's existed before time began and will be here when eternity ends. And eternity has no ending. So you can just think about that for a while. See, happiness that our world sells is a cheap imitation of joy because happiness is based on happenings. That's where the word comes from. You have good happening. So you woke up this morning, you have an Easter basket with Cadbury eggs. It's a good day. (laughs) Gonna get a witness. Peeps, thank you, Jesus. Uh, See, I like black coffee because I like black coffee because I'm going to eat so much sugar with that black coffee that it offsets it. Amen. (laughs) It's a good day. You woke up this morning and you had Weight Watchers in your Easter basket because you need to lose weight. It's not a good day. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You lost that love and feeling. It's gone, gone, gone. That's happiness. Joy. Joy is lasting. Why? Because it's not depending upon you or me or happenings around us, but depends upon the Lord. That's the difference. I got to move on. Because Jesus lives, we are free from shame. Let's talk about that for a minute. Shame. Benet Brown, the author, says this, that shame is the intensity, excuse me, is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Something we experienced, we've done, or failed to do makes us unworthy of a connection. We all have, do, or will experience shame. What's causing your shame today? Is it your sin? Is it a secret addiction that no one knows about? Is it debt? Is it sexual past? Is it history? Is it a lie that you're living and propagating? See, the enemy of your soul and my soul wants to take what we've done or what what we used to do, and he wants to connect it to our identity. And therefore, he says, because you did this, this is what you are. Because you sinned, because you lied, because you whatever, this is what you are, and I want to create shame. That's what he wants to do in your life. But Jesus on the cross When he rose from the grave, he frees us from shame. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne. So Jesus endures the cross and scorned it. He loathed it. He hated it. He despised the shame that was ours to bear. That's what that means. So joy, he goes to the cross. Why? With joy, not because it's something he wanted to do, but because he knew the victory that was on the other side of the cross. He knew the shame that would be lifted from you and from me. He knew the burdens that he was going to lift off of humanity. He knew the grace that was going to flow. So he went to this cross and he endured it with joy, scorning its shame, looking shame right in the face, looking and loathed it and hated it and despised it. And he did this. Why? Because he knew in his going to the cross, he would overcome it. And when he finishes it, he sits where? At the right hand of God. The most blessed, prized, 
seat in all of eternity and in all of the world is at the right hand of the Father. And what does he do there? Hebrews will go on to say, forever making intercession for you and for me. So that every time the enemy of your soul and my soul goes, hey, but do you remember what Aaron did? Do you remember when he lied? Do you remember this sin? Do you remember this addiction? Do you remember what a loser he is? Hey, God, don't forget this is what he did. God, don't forget this is what he did. God, don't forget. Every time Jesus walks up like a great attorney. Is there such a thing? I'm just teasing. Like a great attorney. I'm sorry, that was just right there and I just had to swing at it. Like a great lawyer, like a great counselor. And he walks up in that moment and he says, oh, no, 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 no. Yes, that's what he did. Yes, that's the sin that he committed. But he's been covered by the grace that I provided on the cross. I look the shame that you're trying to put upon him, Satan, the accuser of the brethren. And I'm pushing it aside because I went to death, hell, and the grave on that day. And I took the keys from you and I overcome. So greater is he that's in, in, in him. He, great, I can't even say it right. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I, he has no fault. There is is no sin. There is no shame because he's been covered by my blood. And God, the judge says, that's right. Case closed. You're dismissed. Every single time. So Jesus endures that. Amen. That's what we celebrate today. At the cross, Jesus despised shame, but at resurrection, he defeated shame. The only way to heal yourself from shame and to move on to what God's called you to and who he's called you to be is to accept, embrace, and move forward with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Last thing, and then I'm out of time. Because Jesus lives, we have hope. We have hope. I want, you to, I want to read what Paul writes to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 and 52. He says, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. Isn't that what you pray for? God, help me with this. God, help me with this. God, help me with this. God, renew my mind. God, transform my mind, renew my heart. It will happen when? In a moment. In the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown, for the, when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living, who are living will also be transformed. Or as the King James Version would say, we will be caught up in the air and forevermore shall we be with Jesus. That's the good news of Easter. Is that a believer, death isn't the end. Death, the physical death on this side of eternity is not the end. It's a doorway to transformation. And I'm not saying that, say, well, that's just a really nice way of saying that. No, 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 no. No, you and I as human beings were never created to die. Go back to the original story of creation. When God created Adam and Eve, he said that there are, there, there is the, uh, there's two trees in, in the garden in which you cannot eat of. Anything else you can do, whatever you want to do. One is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the other one's the tree of life. The tree of life is eternal, perpetual, you never die. The tree of knowledge of good and evil is that you understand the ability and so uh, what, what is right and what is wrong. And up until that point, they had not the ability to understand that because they were pure in all ways. The Bible says they were naked and they were not ashamed. And then they violate the one thing that God tells them to do. And they eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And in that moment, they understand what's right and what's wrong. In the moment, they understand their nakedness. In the moment, they understand. And, and what happens is, is because of their own 
uh, disobedience, sin enters into the world. And then what does God do? He drives them from the garden. Why? Because if they eat the knowledge of good, if they eat the tree of life, they will be perpetually, we will be perpetually into a state of eternal damnation. But God lovingly, with discipline, the heart of a father, not to hurt, not to be punitive, but to bring redemption, removes them from the situation and says to them, there will be one that will come. It's, it's Genesis 3.15. It's the first messianic prophecy of the Old Testament. That the serpent will come and bruise his heel, but he will crush his head. He being Jesus, the serpent being Satan. And, 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 and the truth of the matter is, is that we were never created to die. And so this reason why when death happens in any of our lives, it's very, we grieve. We mourn. We, 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 we have a hard time with it. Especially if it's what we would call an out-of-season death. But Paul goes on to say, though, but we who are in Christ mourn differently than those who are not in Christ. Why? Because we have this hope. This hope. What, this isn't a fancy way or a nice way of saying it. Because, again, it's, the truth of the gospel is, is that we're dead in our sins and Jesus Christ is our salvation. There's no other way to get to the Father except through Jesus the Son. I didn't write the book. I'm just telling you what it says. There's only one name under heaven whereby a man can be saved. And if you believe and you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved, Romans 10, 9, and 10. It's that simple. But it's your choice. And if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you, when you pass from this earth, you know that heaven is your home. And there's peace that comes with that. And there's also peace for those of us that have loved ones and friends and family members that pass who are in Christ that we know where they're going. And we know that when we, when, when we pass in this life as well, we will be with them. Heaven. That, that's, that's where we never grow old and we, 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 we never die and there are no calories in heaven. Can I get a witness? I, however, I need to communicate this to you. I mean, I'm just saying like there is no partying. There is no sorrow. There, there, there is no sickness. There is no death. There is no disease. There is no sin. It's gone forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. The struggles of this world are over and we are with Jesus and don't think, well, it's just perpetual church service. No, the Bible says for the first seven years, there's a marriage supper of the lamb. That's a feast for seven years. Hallelujah. That's why I'm going. So I'm just saying like, there's many other reasons, but my mom would get on to me. I'm just thinking about that. So, but um, I'm just saying, so, so when we talk about because he lives, we have hope. This is not a nice way of saying, well, everybody goes to heaven. No, they don't. People that call in the name of the Lord, they go. Because God doesn't impose his will upon us as humanity. We're free moral agents. You have the ability to choose. Your life, your choice. Do you accept Jesus? Wonderful. Enter in. You reject him? Okay. That's between you and the Lord. I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. I'm just telling you where it's at. Whether you choose to go there and you choose to partake of it, that's your business. But on Easter... On the Resurrection Sunday, because he lives, we have hope. 
That even though we were never created to die, and even though there's a grieving and separation this side of eternity, we have a hope that this world is not our home. We have a hope that there is coming a day when we pass on this life that we will be forever with Jesus. We have a hope in that. And that's not because you're a member of a church. That's not because you took, took communion. That's not because of anything external. It's, it's not by our acts that we're saved. It's by grace that we've been saved through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a gift of God lest any of us would boast. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, 56, 55, 56, and 57 says this. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For the sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. With the resurrection power, God truly turns graves into gardens. He truly does a resurrection work. Just like he did that Easter Sunday morning, he can do that in your life and in my life if we'll let him. Because Jesus lives. I want you to turn your attention and see this video, this testimony of this. I get here at 7.15 every morning. I get to make sure everything's all set for all the team members that are showing up here every weekend. You good? Need anything? Cool, morning. How are you guys? Good, good. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. We have over 100 people that show up each and every weekend, and it's really awesome to be able to hear, be here and help set up for them to be able to succeed. If you would have told me 10 years ago today that I would be here, I would not believe you. My family was great. They raised me in the Lutheran faith. Um, I learned a lot of Christian values in that time. I just never really made the faith my own. I loved my family, but I didn't love God. Without that relationship, I quickly fell far from God. I was always a quiet and shy kid. Uh, I always struggled finding ways to fit in and um, get noticed by others. I remember it was freshman year of high school and I started really getting involved in sports like basketball, volleyball, track, and those things really did help. But along with those things came the pressures to get involved with um, partying and drinking just to fit in. To stand out, I started using drugs. Curiosity turned into addiction, and I was trying anything and everything to be noticed by people that didn't matter. Meanwhile, I was disappointing and hurting my parents. I remember one day my dad took me in his car. 
he pulled me over on the side of the road and he told me the road I was on was leading nowhere. I didn't want to keep hurting him, but I had so much shame and I didn't know how to stop. I began to receive scholarship offers from colleges for sports, which was amazing. But I turned a lot of those down because I was more focused on doing drugs, drinking, and hanging out with friends. I finally ended up going to Michigan Tech for college, but my problems came with me and were amplified by the fact that my dad wasn't there to help me. I was arrested my second year of college for drunk driving. I was lost. I didn't know what to do. I had fines I couldn't pay. I didn't call my parents for help. And that led to me dropping out of college. My parents didn't know what to do with me when I came home. I felt like I was hopeless. I thought that was my low point. But shortly after that, I came here to pick up my dad for a routine appointment. I went inside the hospital room. When two doctors walked in, I knew something was wrong. And that's when I found out my dad had late-stage cancer. The little that I had left in my life was dying. I will never forget the day when my dad asked a pastor, will I go to heaven? When facing death, my dad was looking for hope. I realized I was completely dead inside, and I needed hope. While my dad's health continued to decline, uh, a friend invited me to church and I went in expecting nothing and I found everything. I saw people filled with hope and I wanted to know more. One week later, my friend bought a ticket for me to a Christian conference and I reluctantly said yes. At the conference, my dad was on my mind. The speaker led an altar call where he talked about how Jesus had died rose again so that we may have hope in eternal life. I raised my hands right there and I decided to follow Christ. My life changed immediately. I stopped drinking, stopped doing drugs. I was not seeking validation in others anymore and I got involved in the church. My dad got to see the man that I had become. My dad passed away shortly after that. But because of our shared relationship in Christ, I am confident that one day we will see each other again. Jesus died and rose again so that we may have hope. My old life brought death, but my new life in Christ brings life to the fullest.